Hey everyone, it's Kobe. It's Kyle. And we are back with good sound quality. Yeah, yeah. Back with good sound quality. Okay, Kyle. <laughs> they don't need to hear all that in no? their cars and their earphones. They oh, okay. don't. My bad. Um, one, thank you guys for bearing with us. We had to take a break. Um, I know this sounds odd, but I regularly forget that I'm pregnant. You know, but and it's a good thing because my second trimester has been so good. You know, it's a lot better than the first. Yeah, like I felt I had I've had so much energy. I've just felt really good, um, and so I'm always a little bit surprised when my body pulls a skirt and is like, "You're exhausted. You need to take a, a second skirt." Oh, okay. <laughs> You're exhausted. You need to take a second. You need to breathe. You need to eat. You need to, you know, um, my body just needs more attention and my soul needs more attention. I think that pregnancy just creates this emotional and spiritual sensitivity as well. Kyle's rolling his eyes, but it's No, true. no, no. I'm not rolling my eyes. I was actually just making weird it's faces. It's true. Anyways. It's hard on the man, too. That's a podcast for another week. It's a podcast for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you guys want if you if you're really interested in that conversation, let me know. I'll start a secondary podcast. Yeah. About yeah. how hard pregnancy is on the man. Cause that, yeah. And you know what? Maybe one day we'll get to that. But It'll be called point, Privilege, Privilege, Privilege. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Three Ps. So um, we wanted to come back today. And, you know, if we're being honest, we've been juggling with jumping back into our last series, um, addressing what's going on at hand, you know, figuring out kind of how and where we fit in this um, global conversation. Yeah. And that's a great way to put it in this global conversation Um, for us, rather my perspective um, in all of this is I'm seeing clients every day who are still dealing with the things they were dealing with before the sky started falling, you know, mm. before Corona happened, before the murders of, you know, black people started happening, um, rather it started being noticed. Um, and so for a lot of them, they're kind of in this place where they're like, uh, I know this may sound weird, but can we go back to talking about how, you know, my relationship with my parents, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, it's not weird at all. Because those things are still pertinent to your life. So we're we're trying to be sensitive to the times, but also sensitive to the reality that, like, in this mental health space, um, if you're listening to our podcast, if it's something that has poured into your life or provided you a resource, um, you needed that resource before all this started happening. So, Yeah, yeah and I, I think this will probably be our last conversation, maybe second to last conversation, directly addressing what's happening right now unless something crazy happens and i don't know everyone starts getting superpowers we'll have to address that too but <laughs> right um yeah we'll, we'll probably kind of speak a another time or two about kind of what's going on and then we'll we'll probably get back on to what we were talking about before because it informs all of this whether yes. we perfect thank whether you. we think it or not yeah our yep. our personal emotional reality informs how we absorb this how yeah. we process yep. it and whether or not we can even engage with it which i think is is what kabe is actually getting at and yep. has yep. been telling me about and i have to be i have to remind myself like just because i have time 
I got time for every Facebook comment. I got time for everybody's friends, friends, cousins, friend that said something. I got time to educate. I got time to to, to call people Nazis. I got time all day long. (laughs) Yeah, and the reality is not everyone has that, and not all of us have that capacity. And so in this episode today, we kind of wanted to talk about, um, well, first, before I jump into that, Kyle, thank you for saying that, because... I didn't want it to be perceived as like, oh, and we're just jumping back to our, you know, regular schedule because this is too much. No, we're we're jumping back to our regular schedule because this is triggering a lot of people's personal trauma. Right. This is not what's going on in the world is not just, oh, uh, you know, this is hard. We can't compartmentalize the way we think we can. Yeah. And so for a lot of us, our decreased capacity to be on Facebook, for some of us, we can be on Facebook and Instagram for hours. For some of us, we can't. I'm one of those people who can't. Why? Mm. Because of my personal trauma. Yeah. Right? And so for us, we can keep biting at, you know, the... The content apple. The content apple. Yeah. Right? We can... We can and I think what's difficult... Ooh, you just... You spoke a word and you didn't even know it, That's Kyle. why you married me, you know? You're right. <laughs> I think what's difficult is there's a lot of attacking for people who are going back to the roots of what their content is and their, the heart of their content online. Mm-hmm. And they're being seen as people who are exploiting the times, right? Yeah. But truly, there are people who are posting just to stay relevant on what's happening. And because it's it, it, it has the appearance of advocacy, it's seen as they're authentic and the people who are like, I'm going back to teaching about what it means to have a stable business because let's talk about systematic racism and how it affects generational wealth and how some people are afraid to do anything other than to spend money on a credit card. There are people who have anxiety about checking their balance, right? And for the people who are going back to teaching people about how to take care of themselves, What's happening is like they're being seen as like, oh, you're just trying to exploit the times. Black Lives Matter wasn't a spirit week. We know that because we are black. Right. And so we have to stop policing. Um, when I say we, if I'm being honest, particularly non-black people, ha- non-black allies have to stop policing how black people heal. You know, I'm hearing a lot of keep that same energy, but at the same time, Insecure gave us a place to laugh and to experience joy mm-hmm. and to have meaningful conversations about the intimate relationships we have in our lives, right? Yeah. If Insecure stopped because of this, I would have been sad. I would have been pissed. <laughs> I'm glad yeah. they had another episode, right? I'm glad they continued to put it out because it was meaningful. And I think that we have to stop trying to make meaningful content monolithic in this time. I think part of... What's happening is for black people, we're living in a black fairy tale in the in the saddest way, most sad way possible that for hundreds of years we've we've laughed about the idea that white people would would bear <laughs> our would literally grab <laughs> assault rifles and stand in front of black protesters yeah. in front of the police and and protect our right to protest but that's happening we yeah. the other day Mitchell Mayonnaise Romney I don't know if that's his middle name <laughs> but it is now but it might as well be said black lives matter, matter. in Woo. english <laughs> in real life right yeah. like 
So yeah. there's there's this reality that there are like historic things happening, and I know for so many of us, it's been a pipe dream, mm. and so now it's it's kind of happening for real, and it's there's this fear of like, hey, we have to own this moment, we have to drive this moment, we have to move it forward. We may never get this opportunity ever, ever, ever again. Yeah, and that's real, right? Like that's a real tension, but it's it's bumping up against the reality that just because other people have started to get involved doesn't mean that it discounts what we've been doing for the last 380 years. Yeah, and what we've trying been to doing... move the ball forward. And some people yeah. are tired now. At the beginning of yes. a race, <laughs> Come on, it, Kyle. for many people, it feels like the race is beginning. Yeah. And many of us are on our last legs like yeah. we've been we've been running yeah um and and so you've got people entering into the narrative at different points with different levels of energy yep. different levels because of they novelty. all have different trauma history yeah right and and the fact of the matter is there's people that can't engage with the george floyd protest or with any other protest because george floyd reminds them of the black man in their life yeah. And for many people, that's a reason to go out and protest. And yeah. for many people, that's a reason to feel sad because you don't. There's a black man in your life that if he was gunned down, you'd be kind of happy about it, or you you'd be like there are people that have real trauma against people in their family who have hurt them. And mm. every black man is not. There's a there's a duality where where every body on the street that is that is worthy and has value it's a story does not of meet each of us in the same way. I have a wonderful relationship with my father. Yeah. I have a wonderful relationship with countless black men in my life and there's no there's no tension I have to go up against. I see a black body on the ground. He reminds me of my father and I move forward and say that's so wrong and I can engage it fully and there's some people who want to engage it fully but that body on the ground reminds them of their father. And the feelings that they have towards their father are really complicated. They yep. can't even engage in the protest because the protest is is stifled. There's a, there's a cap on how they can even enter it because they've got trauma that's blocking them off. And so if all we do is focus on the protest, we leave the people who've been left behind. I don't I don't want to make it seem like <laughs> I, I probably shouldn't have said, oh, you're happy that the person is dead. But there yeah. are people that have really complicated emotions and complicated realities with folks in their lives who remind us of the protest, who lead us into the protest. And so they can't enter it with the same energy. They can't enter it with the same longevity. And there's only so much they can get. Yeah. And it's it's the story of Toyin. It's the story of, you know, the young black. Toyin? Yeah. So she's the young black woman who is a Black Lives Matter activist, yes. homeless, was raped, um, sexually abused. Mm-hmm. And murdered, yep. right? And so, at the at the front lines of every single civil rights movement in any arena has been black women. Yep, yep, yep. And yep. yet, we are still grieving the fl- the fact that w- I was just talking to you about like half of the guys that clowned me growing up mm-hmm. were black guys. Yep. Who gave white guys permission to say that stuff out loud and encouraged them to do it? Right. Yeah, because now, you're dark. Right, because I'm darker, right? But does do Black Lives Matter to me? Yes, period, point blank, period. That's on period. <laughs> it just it is what it is, right? Yeah. But I can't lie to myself and feel there's a sadness as a Black woman. I feel that I feel like dang, if if 
if that was a black woman who experienced that, I don't know if black men would go as hard. Hmm. Now that personally intersects with my trauma. Now there are black women who are just as dark as me who have experiences of men standing up for them and being there for them and advocating yeah. for them who do not feel the way I'm feeling. The point we're trying to say is for everyone it's multi-layered and everyone's layer at different stages is different. Yeah. And, and so I think for us, we have to kind of come back and be objective and say, okay, well, where everyone's got a place in the narrative. Everyone's got a place in the healing story that God is trying to tell in this time and in every other time. Um, and it can be really sexy to go for what may get us the most likes. Yep. But the reality is we entered into the trauma discussion long before this was the popular thing to talk about because there's people who listen to our podcasts and listen to our content that are trying to heal from personal trauma, not from the global trauma, not from the cultural trauma specifically, though we've talked about that and we'll continue to do so. But we've got to go back to, okay, well, these, this is how we can enter into narrative. This is how we can be a, a calming voice. And so we will leave this discussion to go back to family systems theories, to go back to interpersonal trauma, but it won't be because so that we, we don't can, care. Yeah, so that we can further inform this this, yeah. this discussion. So right? that we can push the narrative forward because there's yeah. a lot of people that simply cannot engage and shame on us if we we shame them for not being able to come along yeah, for like, the ride. Man, white supremacy and systematic racism is really wore you down. You can't advocate the way that you want to because you're constantly triggered. You're terrible, you know, and but that's what's happening on social media. Yeah. It's keep the same energy. And it's like, I can't non-black person who has now become an ally in the last three days. I can't keep the same energy because I am exhausted. Like I was yeah. just scrolling through my Facebook, my old Facebook. I was having these arguments in 2010. Yep. I was having these arguments in 2008 when Obama was elected yep. in high school. I am married with my second child on the way. Like, we are exhausted. And I think that for many of us, the idea of this this vast allyship that has developed really needs to take on a new perspective for some of us. For me, I'm taking this as an opportunity to rest. Yeah. If yeah. Sally and Tyler want to pull up on our, on my yes, behalf, let me sleep because I have not been able to do that in 10 years. You know what I mean saying? Yeah, yeah. And like, let me go to therapy and, and retreat because I haven't had that opportunity yeah. in five years. And as people of color, like, you, <laughs> you know, it, it happens on <clears throat> both sides, right? There's there's folks that's like, hey, like, okay, we, we did X, Y, and Z. We got this and this to happen. Now let's work on Brianna. Now let's yeah. work on... Um, so-and-so, like, which now let's should. do this, which we should. Yeah. And for those who have the capacity to do so, <clears throat> they <clears throat> should. But for those who don't, who who spent all of their emotional currency, because we've talked about emotional currency, I don't know if we no, have. No, we haven't. Well, okay, then we will after family systems therapy yeah. uh, theories. Um, but for those who've spent all their emotional currency on one movement, on the four protests they went to, on the whatever they did, it's okay to be in that space. Yeah. There are finally enough people involved that you can clock that out. You, you can sit down, right? Yeah. Like, and that is, that's a beautiful, beautiful thing about what's happening right now. Yeah, yeah. So, what I really wanted to kind of chat about today, and I think Kyle and I have been having this personal discussion about repentance and what it looks like with white Christians, black Christians, and you know, everyone in between. <laughs> everyone, you know. yeah, really, everyone in between, and. um 
I think that, you know, Dr. Anita Phillips is the goat of all goats. I, I'm telling oh. you, if you think I have something useful to give to the world, one, thank you. But two, she is the prototype. She is 20 years ahead of me. The woman is bad. Um, and I love it. 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 She is a, a black woman of faith who specializes in trauma. She's a therapist as well. Um go to her stuff, go to her page, go to her podcast, all that. But she makes a really good point um, in one of the videos she has with, um, I think it's with Christine Kane. So she talks about how the church is missing this trauma-informed perspective and view of healing in racial reconciliation or racial restoration, but period, right? Because we have these people who are in leadership, um, not always, but, like, there are these people who can assume leadership positions, I'll say it that way, who don't value their own emotions, do not have emotional literacy, do not have emotional intelligence. And after someone, after a black person's experienced this level of oppression under white supremacy, a white person turns around and says, I'm so sorry. I actively didn't listen to you. I'm really sorry. Please forgive me. And the black person says, thanks for your apology, but I'll get back to you because it still really hurts right now, right? And for whatever reason, the church on both sides has this decreased sensitivity, this lack of tenderness that I feel like is, you know, uh, a symptom of white supremacy, this lack of tenderness when it comes to black people who are hurting. Like, stop forcing black people who are hurting to heal quickly for the sake of white feelings. Yeah. You cannot take someone who has been raped, someone who's been abused year after year after year after year, and then pull them in front of their abuser, you know, and say, hey, I need you to forgive this person because they said they're sorry. Yes, they can truly be sorry, but also the hurt is still there for me. Now, God tells me to live and worship in spirit and in truth. Now, if I can't truthfully forgive you in that moment, I won't utter the words as a lie. God says, forgive quickly. Yes, but also he tells me to live in truth. So I am not going to lie for for the sake of trying to make it seem like reconciliation is happening. Oh, my gosh. Yay. But at the same time, we keep trying to make the validation of white feelings, the reward for repentance, when repentance is the reward for repentance. If you repent and you want to, you want to turn, you want to relinquish your repentance because a black person doesn't take it well, then you weren't truly repenting. Yeah. You know, I think, so for those of you who maybe not maybe you're not as initiated into what we're talking about as others. There is this, there's this pervasive attitude. And um, this came up in our relationship because we, Kabay and I, I wouldn't say we don't see eye to eye on this issue. We come from different directions. And so it took, it took us a minute to figure out that we were agreeing we just didn't recognize all the ways in which we were we were coming from a different perspective in this conversation. But yeah. the conversation itself being the idea of all of this happening, the white person 
who has a tangential relationship with a black person because this is the only it's only the white person with a tangential relationship that can even be having this conversation if you had a close relationship with a black person this conversation would not have come up now it would have come up long before before now so we're talking about someone you know acquaintances um all of this comes up that person sends a two-page text saying i'm so sorry all this is happening i'm so sorry that the world is this way blah 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 um I'd like, I hope, you know, if you need anything, call me. Let me know. And slash or, like, please let me know how I can, like, be a part of the solution. Like, send me some resources. What book should I be reading? Kobe's rolling her eyes. Thank you for holding yourself back from jumping in. Um, and then the the person who's received that text or received that call or received that voicemail or whatever it was does not respond in a way that's charitable. Yeah. Maybe, they, maybe to the two-page text they say... K, period. Thanks. Or thanks. Or f you. Um. Or f you very much. (laughs) Have a horrible day. Right. (laughs) I don't know anyone who said that, but no, no. Uh, But that's the sort of thing I would say to somebody if I were angry. Um. And whatever it runs the gamut. But if it's not the three paragraph response of thank you so much for saying this like people like you are you know what gives me hope blah 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 like i would love to talk with you and chat about how to move forward and you know if it's not that then one there is the feeling like oh man like this person is not receiving my repentance and like that's not right like you and now they're in sin and now they're in sin because i'm trying to repent to them and they're not receiving it well also, there's also the flip side of, um, sorry, actually that was, that was a different thing. We can come back to it, but essentially that, that dichotomy. And so there are folks, um, who will either say, yes, that person is in sin, or maybe even on the flip side, they're saying for you to respond with a three paragraph text, um, saying, Hey, like, let's chat more and thank you so much. And all of that stuff is a response of living out of white supremacy as well. So mm. there's people that look at the response that's like just thanks and they're like, man, that's sinful. And then there's people that look at the response that's 10 paragraphs long and really charitable and all those things and says that's sinful yeah. because it's it's living out of a white supremacy. And so it's that conversation that we have been having and recognize that at least amongst Christian circles, this is a conversation that's happening all over the place. Yeah. And and so I think Kobe has been really gracious to me in this conversation because if you know me, my part of my purpose, part of the ways my mission field is affluent white America. I work with affluent white America. I have friends in affluent white America. I have friends that voted for Trump and I call them friend, which is crazy for many people, but I have a burden on my heart um, and an ability con- to connect with those people that other people don't. And it's so it's it's part of my worldview. And so I am likely to be the person that responds with the three to four paragraphs and is really gracious and really charitable and tries to bring the, um, the person along. Kobe has a different mission field. Kobe is sent to the marginalized, specifically to women, specifically even within that subset, to women of color, many of whom 
have been marginalized, have been downtrodden, have never had a voice in the spaces that I'm I'm talking about. And um, her response, maybe her more natural response would probably be the thanks or the, the K or... Well, my actual response was, hey, I appreciate you sending this, but I'm also still really angry yeah. um, because there's nothing more frustrating than feeling like someone who's my sister in Christ chose not to listen to me. And we have to realize... Um, God moved on some people's hearts. Um, unfortunately, he moved on the hearts of people who have money and influence first. If white pastors did not move with this, there are many people. I, I believe many of my white friends would not actually, many of the white people I know would not actually feel this way. Yeah. Because this has been going on for a while. You know, Stephen Furtick, he's he's uh <laughs> he's white Jesus to the peoples. Yeah. You know, and he um he'd been quiet for a long time. He'd peripherally he'd peripherally um responded, you know, like 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 God sees us and I see my black people and you know, and that's no shade to him because I think that his his views were developing on it, right? But when God convicted him, he was convicted and he made space for it. Yeah. There is a direct correlation, and this is this is not shade because this is how this is how the gospel works, and this is the reason why we need to move on the convictions God gives us. The moment Stephen Furtick was convicted, seventy five percent of white America was convicted. Yeah, it's it it's that reality that makes it difficult to parse out. Okay. Are you sending me this message saying that you're sorry, asking how you can support, like doing all the stuff that I wish you would have done three years ago or 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Are you doing that because now it's the popular thing to do or are you doing it because you care? Um, and would you care if it wasn't popular? Mm. Because you didn't care when it wasn't popular. Yeah. And I'm not saying that you, you can't have changed your mind. Maybe the George Floyd situation is just a shot across the bow. For whatever reason, white America has seen that particular video differently than all the others. Yeah. Black folk, we've been seeing all the videos the same way. Yeah. But this one is different. So that's fine. But there's there's a reasonable sort of... It's hard to fully engage sometimes because you wonder, like, okay, well, it is the cool thing to do now. Yeah. If anything, if you don't do it, Shame. You're in trouble. Yeah. Like you will get canceled. <laughs> um, and so it's almost like, okay, well, do you even really mean it? And more importantly, like, how am I really supposed to receive this when I tried to have this conversation with you before and you yes. wouldn't hear me? Yes. And that, and I, I'm going to do my best to reach out <laughs> to a couple of the people who have texted me and hopefully have a conversation with them that I can put on the podcast and I, I'll keep their names, you know, anonymous and all of that. But I really want to know what made you want to repent. Yeah. Where, are you repenting because everyone else did? Are you repenting because black lives really matter to you? And what made you believe black lives matter now and not before? Yeah. Right? And so I say all of this and we're having all this conversation. It kind of may seem like we're going on these side roads. But you have to understand that the foundation of white supremacy, if we're thinking about it from a mental health standpoint, is narcissism. Right? And what is a narcissist's greatest tool? Manipulation. The narcissist will give you an inch so that later on they could take a mile. Yeah. And so I think for a lot of people who have had personal interactions with narcissists, personal, whether black or white, have had personal interactions with narcissists, 
are in a place where they are thinking, is this real? Am I being manipulated again? And people are like, well, who cares if you're being manipulated? Because manipulation is trauma. Yeah. Am I giving in? Am I making room for someone to re-traumatize me by accepting an insincere apology? How do you know an apology is insincere? It does not take personal responsibility. Yeah. When someone says, I'm sorry for what you're experiencing and for what you're feeling and not, I'm sorry for what I did and how I contributed to it, that's how you know it's not authentic. Yeah. And that is... So those two things are being conflated, right? And there are people who are reaching out to their black, quote-unquote, friend, though I don't know if the black person would say it in the reverse, um, and if they're being honest. But they're reaching out, they're saying, I'm so sorry about what's going on. And they want to be welcomed with open arms into this place of, like, thank you, you finally see it, thank God, like, yeah. here, let's be best friends now, and let's move towards, you know... Uh, a, a, a colorblind America together, which is don't thing ever. Um, <laughs> yeah. And, and there's people that, who are experiencing that, but what's happening is some people aren't actually repenting. They're saying, I'm sorry about what has happened. Because they're trying to cover They're not themselves. taking a personal responsibility. They're not saying, I'm sorry for what's happening, and I'm sorry for the ways that I am the reason this is happening. I'm sorry for the ways that I look at the little black boy as if he's five years older than he really is. I'm sorry that I'm the one who who hears a name that sounds quote unquote ghetto and attributes a lack of intelligence to it. I'm sorry that I'm the one that subconsciously fears black men more than white men. Yeah. I'm sorry that I'm the one that, that fundamentally views black bodies of having a level of pain resistance that white bodies don't, right? Like yeah. all these things. And it's it's that lack of of clarity on where you have entered into the narrative of suffering that makes it really hard for for people to receive it. And where and, this conversation comes in for us personally, go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to jump in and say, and what makes this particularly offensive to a black person is the idea that a lot of people, a lot of white people's defense. A lot of conservative white people's defense of why black people have deserved to die at the hands of police has been based on what? Personal responsibility. Yeah. He should have stopped. He should have not resisted. Mm -hmm. He should have done what he told, did. He should have done what, you know, the plot, the officer told him to do. He should have just kept quiet. He should have been respectful. But now that it's in reverse and they're in the position of humility, they're in the position of you don't get to define how this goes. You are not a leader in this, but you are a follower. Now personal responsibility somehow exits the conversation yeah. and exits the equation. And that's yeah. how you know it's manipulation, right? Yeah. No, and Kobe had to educate me to my own privilege because one, one, I just view the world a little differently. I view repentance as, like, the most sacred space in the universe. The idea that someone could say they were repenting and not mean it in their heart is foreign to me. I would never do that. I would do a lot of crazy, horrible things. But that's just one thing I would never do. So, one, I assume when someone says, I'm sorry, or when they try to repent, they mean it every time. Kind of naively, often. Yeah. Um... And Kobe had to, like, point me to... She, she told me the story of one of her good friends who who received $5 for, 
from a person they hadn't had a conversation with in six or seven years or something like that for Black Lives Matter. Literally a Venmo that said, um, uh, Black Lives Matter, take care of yourself or something like that. Yeah. And that was meant to be received as repentance. Yeah. And then they po- that person posted after they sent their $5 about how repentance is hard, but you've got to do it and you've just got to have the hard conversation and you've got to you've got to submit yourself and it's going to feel like you're tearing your heart in half to do it and all this stuff. And it's like, wait, no, bro, you didn't repent. You sent me $5. You, matter of fact, you should have sent me 500 Don't send me $5. Yeah. Don't. It, yeah. it needs at least one zero on it. So I'll put my cash app in the show notes. If you want to send me money to assuage <laughs> your white guilt, please do so. I will take it and I'll give you a receipt. But um, in this situation, it was like this was the perfect picture of what is happening in personal text chains all across America right now. A a show of solidarity that is very hard for many black people to receive because it is so it it at least seems so ingenuine like it seems like there's no link to what's different now there's no understanding of like where you enter into the narrative there's no even personal responsibility coming up which again like she said like it's the party of personal responsibility which is laughable based off the president um but that's another podcast for another time. But I think this conversation, we wanted to have it and kind of have it openly because I had to recognize that I come to this this conversation armed with a lot of privilege. Kobe has talked very often about um, core negative beliefs and corrective emotional experiences. And a core negative belief is a traumatic moment. Um, well, rather, it comes from a traumatic moment. It's a core way that you view yourself, and it essentially puts goggles on to your vision. Um, and it filters every interaction, and every conversation, everything that you view in your world through the lens of this core negative belief. right? And it is, it is the calling card of trauma. The only way to get rid of a core negative belief is not to just destroy it. It's to have a corrective emotional experience, something, some almost like core positive belief that comes in to change that negative belief into something that can be helpful to you rather than harmful. I have had, without knowing it, without really understanding it, I have had a miraculous, rare, and uncommon amount of, of, um, corrective emotional experiences with white men and white women. Most people that look like me don't. I got together with my brother and some other people to get a Father's Day gift for a white man that does not have any children today because I view him as my spiritual father and him coming into my life changed it for the better and I will never, ever, ever down downplay the positive Um, affect he's out of my life and he's one of many most people don't have that so there's a way that I engage in this narrative where I where I always got time to to teach people about racism I have I always have the time to show them the resources I always have the time to post you know to respond with 10 paragraphs and shamefully I viewed it as uh, Kobe doesn't do that because like she's she's sinful 
Like, Kobe can't engage in these conversations and be charitable and be kind to these people because she's too angry in a sinful way. Like, mm-hmm. if she were more submitted to Christ, she'd be able to enter into this the way that I do, mm-hmm. the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and obviously, uh, <laughs> we had a lot of conversations about this because we just weren't seeing it. And it was it was partial because I just didn't recognize my own privilege. So I have a capacity to engage because... The core negative belief that white America and thusly God wants me to be a slave, which was a real belief I used to have when I was eight, nine, ten. I said it with my mouth. It wasn't just something I believed in my heart. It was a fundamental way I viewed the world. Oh, white people want me to be a slave still. And because God looks white in all these pictures, God wants me to be a slave. It was part of the reason why I didn't want to be a Christian. Mm. Right. And so. The kid who fundamentally believed white people only wanted him um, to be a slave and God wanted him to be a slave had all of that reversed through some really amazing experiences with white people. That changed my narrative. There's a whole lot more people than just me in this world who have grown up and from the time of six, seven, eight years old have known and believed in their heart that white people don't ever want them to be free. Yeah. And now you have allies, many of all of whom I'm, I actually believe mean well, mm. jumping on the ship. Mm. Okay, well, most of whom mean well. I would agree with that. <laughs> jumping on the ship and expecting to be received with open arms as if the 33-year-old you're texting doesn't have 27 years of a narrative that says you care more about a golden retriever than you do me. In the black community, there's a running joke that's not really funny, but we all laugh at it, in which everyone fundamentally believes that a black man gunned down in the middle of the road would have less of a response than a golden retriever shot by a police officer. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And there's nothing in my mind that actually makes me think that that's not true to this day. If... If only there were dogs present at every police shooting of black men in this nation, we would have fixed racism by now. White (laughs) people would be in the streets. I mean, they would have torn the city down. If anything had happened to a dog that had happened to black bodies consistently over the last 300 years, we'd be done with this by now. Yep. And there's people who are 33, 40, 50, 70, 20 years old, who the majority of their life, they have that narrative and a and a ton, a ton of reason to believe that, a ton, ton of evidence to believe that. And now all of a sudden, the same people who have convinced them that their life is worth less than a four-legged creature are saying, hey, I finally see it. Yeah. And they want to be held for it yeah. and comforted. And they can, it, it, they can finally see it, right? I'm not trying to say that God can't do that or that, you know, repentance can't come swiftly. And many times it does, but you don't get to dictate how people respond to your repentance. Yeah. If your repentance, if you, your, your satisfaction and your repentance is based on how the traumatized, the victim responds, then it's not about repentance. It's about control. Yeah. Right. It's about it's about assuaging your own guilt. It's mm-hmm. about making yourself feel better. It's about and... making yourself the hero of the story. Yep. Once again. Once again. Yep. Once again. And then if someone doesn't receive you right, you're the victim. So now you're crying because your racism after you repented wasn't received with enough grace. And that in one little phrase is how you perfectly describe narcissism in a racial context. Right. 
so I think one of the things, uh, you know, as we, as we talk around this issue, which is, it's complicated, it's nuanced. There's nothing wrong with, with responding to the person who texts you with three paragraphs and resources and the James Whatever's Baldwin book, whatever, that's you. fine. But yeah. if you can't do that, you should not view yourself as somehow shameful or just broken. There is a reality that if a woman is abused and we pull her out of sex trafficking, we don't have the, the safe house she goes to. We don't staff it with men. Yeah. And it's not because she's so weak that she would respond poorly to men. It's because we res- we know and understand her trauma yeah. and we're sensitive to it. And we, we dare not put her in a position for her trauma to be inflamed. We don't say, oh, why are you this way? We say, what happened to you? Yeah. Right? Yeah. But when when black people are faced with a very similar... If you look culturally, there's there are very, very few examples of the cultural trauma of way. black America. And, and so actually someone being abused like sexually for a long time is actually a really good emotional um, analogy for Especially what's happening Especially because here. a lot of white supremacy has been rooted in the sexualization and the sexual abuse of black people. So that's why it fits so well. Yeah, and we could get into that, but it's so graphic and dark, it's not worth it. But those who know, know. And the reality is... For whatever reason, not for whatever reason, because of white supremacy yep. and because of sin issues inherent in all of us, we do not view the the 27-year-old black woman who has been made to feel like less than a dog all of her life. We don't view her with the same grace as the person that got pulled out of sex trafficking, and we don't we don't treat them with the same sensitivity because we're literally saying, well, your pain doesn't matter as much. Yeah. So we have to be intentional yep, yep, about yep. acknowledging, no, this is a this is a big deal. And I want to jump back and correct you for a second. So you said because of white supremacy and because of the sin issues inherent in all of us, that's not true. Right? Because there are people who have been born into systems that tell them and teach them um, implicitly and explicitly that black people do not feel pain. Black people, one, we all experience sin. I'm not saying mm. black people are sinless, but that sin is not inherent to me. You know, that's that sin is not inherent to me. So I wanted to clarify that. But then also, this is just a translation of the very same trauma that our ancestors experienced, specifically your ancestors more directly experienced when they, when, you know, the father of, um, of uh, what's it called? Essentially, the father of gynecology was doing surgery on black women's bodies without anesthesia. Anesthesia. Yeah. This is the same thing. I was in grad school in seminary, in seminary, in seminary. When I had a classmate say to me, oh, I just imagine that black women can take so much more pain. I was just always taught that black women are so tough. That is the same thing. We are taking those same sentiments and we are translating them to the emotional health and the emotional well-being of black people when we say you've been traumatized. for. If someone's been alive for 33 years, once they were born into the American system, they've been traumatized for 33 years, yeah. right? Like, you've experienced this level of trauma. Um, get over it. 
because you're you're strong, you can handle it, right? And it's 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 such a loss when we do that in the church. Yeah, it's such a loss when we make space for white pain and white pain in their repentance, but not black pain as a response of what's being repented. Yeah. 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 Like, and so that is why for us, we are, we want to jump back into what we're doing, you know, because we're, that is my advocacy. My advocacy, my protest is making sure that black people have a place to heal. Yeah. Making sure that black people have a place to connect to God, period. Yeah. If there's no other place, I want to say the healing circle is a place where black people in and out of trend of the world got to experience healing connection to God and restoration in their mental and emotional health. Yeah. And there is this reality that so much of this issue... I mean, we could could do 30 podcasts on it, and it could be done in better ways, I'm sure. But so much of what we're dealing with comes from a lack of literacy. Yeah. A lack of emotional literacy, which is what we've been trying to combat. Um, um, And I am, like, the poster child of, which is why we do this together. So you have someone who actually gets it and then someone who actually hasn't gotten it for most of their life. Um, Mm -hmm. And also just a lack of, like, historical literacy. If we understood the depth of what trauma does to the human mind and to the human body and to the human psyche and most importantly to the human soul, and we also understood the depth of what has happened, continues to happen, and has been celebrated um, towards black bodies in this country for the last four to five hundred years, we would not view these situations so lightly. But we don't. So what we have are a bunch of people like me who are in their 30s, who have an emotional context that is that is like a Rubik's Cube. It's so complex. Dealing with a cultural emotional trauma that is literally unheard of outside of any other culture. I'm not saying it's greater or it's, it's worse. I'm saying it is specifically different than any other place anywhere in history, anywhere in the world. Period. Point blank period. Um, all historians who know what they're talking about would agree. And we keep treating ourselves, like I'm raising my hand, and other people's treat us as if like, as if we're overreacting, as if we are being dramatic, um, and as if our responses, which don't always fit into nice boxes, just aren't valid, because the movement's happening now, we need to get on board. Push past your emotional trauma, push back the f- push past the fact that you don't feel like forgiving or you have a block between you and forgiveness because the movement is right now and we got to get on board because we got to make it happen. We can't afford to sit this one out. Yeah. We're saying uh, you can't afford to not sit this one out. Yeah. God's started this healing, redemptive work in our country now. Um, we would be out of order if we decided to forsake the work of God in our individual lives to try and make this thing end quickly. Yeah, to to move past it. It took 400 years to break. It's not going to it's not going to be a month to fix. If you've been alive 30 years, it's 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 been 30 years of things being broken. It's going to take some time for them to be fixed. And so um, just as I had to apologize to my wife and kind of recognize, you know what? Like, I have a capacity to engage because I had some really uncommon things happen 
God, yeah. I'm, I'm privileged. I'm graced. I'm favored that God sent so many corrective emotional experiences. If everyone had experienced what I experienced, they'd be, they'd have time for everything too, but not everyone has experienced that. And they may never experience it. And they've still got to manage and navigate through all of this. And so uh, if you hear nowhere else, hear it from us. Don't feel the need to be everything to white America right now. Don't feel the need to be everything to the movement right now. There's a, The movement is moving with yeah. or without you. <laughs> yeah. It does not need you. It would enjoy to have you. But um, yeah. look to yourself. For the first time as a black American in this country, you can look to yourself and it's okay. And figure out what you need. Like, we are deserving of tenderness. Like, my resistance is giving myself tenderness. And tenderness yeah. for me, as a black woman, means allowing myself to be mad, specifically at white women, out loud. <laughs> yeah. And not to say, oh, I really appreciate that. And then go behind their backs and be pissed off. Yeah. Because that no one's doing that in the inverse. Right? And, that, that, and it's not about, like, oh, tit for tat, I'm doing for you do you what you've done to me but it is about having authentic relationship right mm -hmm. because part of why i have not been able to have deeply authentic relationships with many white women there are a few white women that I have been able to have authentic relationships with and i love you guys you all know who you are like i haven't been able to have authentic relationships with some white women because i've been taught white women are too delicate yeah you can't give them all your anger kobe but you can receive all of theirs yeah yeah when they yeah, say something yeah. racist Find a way to navigate around it. But if you call out their racism, that's too much. Yeah. And and you're right. Like, so many of us have been taught to become less. Yeah. To submit. Um, and, and to make sure that the lightest body around you is as comfortable as it can be. Woo. And because the lightest body around you is the most valuable. The closer you Come are on. to dark, the closer you are to dirt. Right. And it's um, it's pervasive in our community and, and colorism. And it's, it's in pervasive. Many cultures. It's yeah. It, bro. Yeah. Um, all across the world because of of um, North Atlantic uh, slavery. But, um, you know, th this is a time to be authentic, yeah. to be real. And what we can't do is is preach Black Lives Matter from the pulpit and from our Facebook feeds, and then in our conversations with other people, say that black lives don't matter as much as the, the person I'm talking to. Because that's what it would be if, if Kobe continued to kowtow and be sweet and kind and like, and not even, I don't even want to call it kind, but just inauthentic, yeah. yeah. To treat white women as children that have to be like, you know, where you have to make sure that you over um, you over praise them and under criticize or else you'll break them. Come we do that with on. our child. Right. Yeah. Levi is, too. Yeah. So when he does something crazy, we try not to go off. And when he does something basic, we praise him. <laughs> yeah. But if you notice, many of us have have learned to do that with white people. Yeah, it is. It is sinful in our regard to them, right? Yes. Because they're not children. Yep. And they deserve to be treated like human beings, like yep. full adults. Yep. And it's sinful to us because we certainly have not given us ourselves the grace and treated ourselves like children. Yeah. Um, and so we're making ourselves less than children and less than human. So obviously this is a conversation that could go on forever. But really forever. We, um, we wanted to be really clear on why 
we probably won't be talking about this again directly. Directly, yeah. Um, we'll talk about. I mean, as we you know go on, we have a couple of pre-recorded episodes. Um, we want to finish the family systems because that was something that a lot of people said they were getting feedback out of, and we wanted to make sure we completed the thought. Um, because it really did all fit together. But like going forward, yeah, we'll mention how this affects, you know, um, your race and your identity in Christ and all of that. Um, but like you said, it's not going to be like a, and today in Black Lives Matters news, <laughs> right? Because our Black Lives Matters news, our space, our circle, our part of, part of the body in Christ and part of the body um, as black people is in healing, yeah. And so that's that's our lane. We're going to stay in it. God's been abundantly blessing us in it. God's been abundantly fueling us in it. And we're going to honor what the Lord says above what the culture leads. Amen. Yeah. Your, your Black Lives Matters, if um, if you get gunned down in the street. And we your will black be in life, the street. Yeah, and we'll be there with, <laughs> with Tim's on, actually. Um, yeah. uh, so it matters if you get gunned down. And it also matters, uh, or it mattered, when... Your parents went to all of your siblings' high school games for sports, but they didn't come to any of yours. Yeah. It also mattered when you worked really hard on that project and, you know, the person and you were in a group together and the person who was white got the higher grade than you, even though you did all the work. Yeah. Right. All of that needs healing. Yeah. That's what we're here for. And um, in the uh, the words of the, of the great prophet, I think, Kev on stage, <laughs> we're going to talk about it. Oh, we're going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Yeah. So thank you guys so much for um, taking this time to listen and be authentic with us. Kyle and I have, we've vowed um, within our marriage and within our work with the Lord that this is not going to be a space where we perform, but this is going to be a space where we're authentic um, in the ways that God's called us to be. And so we wanted to have this conversation with you guys because truly you guys are like family. Um, Our Patreon, shout out to you guys. You guys are like family. We've gotten... So many more Patreons since this yeah, started because yeah. people Shout are looking for people are lo- people are looking for places to heal, you know, yeah. and we're grateful that we've been able to provide that. So um, we love you guys. We're grateful for you guys. Also, thank you to the, the people who've been out here. We we felt kind of iffy about um, <laughs> what's it called? Advertising our our Protect Your Peace merch. But so many people have been buying it. It is strange. It's, it like um, like people have literally like been going to look and to buy it, and it means the world to us because yeah. we wanted to honor people's space to grieve, and so we didn't want to advertise that. Though it is what you should be doing at this time. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. really what this episode should be called. It's called should be called Protect Your Peace. You know what episode? That's the name. Deal. Protect Your Peace. Deal. Um. Um. But yeah, so thank you guys who have been purchasing. Um. If you want to join a bomb family, if you want to get great mental health resources, we just finished our Lament series. Um. I put out a behavioral activation worksheet. I need to put it right back up on the Patreon because I was struggling to upload it earlier, but I sent that out to my emailing list. Um. If you guys want to join a family that gets mental health resources, and prayer, and community, and Mm -hmm. people who are willing to go to bat for and with you, um, join our Patreon. It's $10 a month. Listen, it's worth it. Um, Also, cop some merch if you're if you're feeling if you're feeling froggy. Yeah, 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 yeah. If uh, if someone pays you some reparations, and you don't know what to do with it, buy merch. (laughs) Come this way. Um, Also, um, just talking about the Patreon, um, Kobe led a phenomenal workshop series on lament. Um, she's great. I mean, she's. I'm. I I knew I knew 
I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I was the first one. I knew she was going to make me rich one day. Stop it. I knew it. I didn't marry her for her looks, wow. for her personality. No, wow. I wasn't none of that. I didn't marry her because she loved Jesus and she serves God. None of that. I don't care about none of that. I knew one day she was going to make me a lot of money. And um, the writing's on the wall. This is the next Oprah. Uh, well, she'll be better than Oprah, but that's all right. I mean, we love Oprah. So, um, but she she led a phenomenal uh, Limit Workshop series. Um, that is going to be going up uh, as bonus episodes for the Patreon members. So those of y'all that are in the Patreon, um, you'll get that coming. Uh, if you want to listen to that replay, which I think everyone should because it was it was so, so, so helpful for me especially, um, join the Patreon. Yeah, but also I've been sending out via email. Oh, really? Yeah. Come I, on, man. You're not, want, you're not a good... Okay, she I cares too much. To That's all right. have the resource. But anyways, yeah, we she, love you guys. She's about it. Thank you guys. Um, you want to say it? No, you say it. Until the circle comes back around. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. It means the world to us. If you guys didn't know, we just reached the top 200 mental health podcasts in the U.S. and we want to keep pushing. So make sure to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, join our Patreon. It's $10 a month. You get mental health resources from a licensed trauma therapist. I mean, it's pretty amazing. It's an amazing family. So join the inner circle. Plus, we dropped our merch. It's been a crazy time and the slogan, protect your peace, has never meant more. So grab your t-shirt, hoodie, or crew neck when you get the chance and we'll see you guys next time. Bye.